Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. And I always thought that was so cool. I always thought like, wow, that really solved solved a, a problem, so to speak. But also, it was kind of this creative endeavor that that now you suddenly really loved your possessions instead of just being another piece of whatever that you bought at the store. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Frog Fuel Power Protein is designed as an everyday lifestyle product to provide full body benefits for healing and as a post-workout recovery supplement. It has 15 grams of nanohydrolyzed collagen protein. That's not whey protein, it's collagen, but it provides full body benefit. It has zero grams of carbs, zero caffeine. It's a complete protein with all the essential and non-essential and conditionally essential amino acids proven to heal the body at two times its normal rate. No sugar, no fat, no gluten, no lactose, and no banned substances. It's a complete protein that's trusted in more than 4,000 hospitals. To get your 20% off, make sure when you go to their site, you type in the Shark Effect 20 and you get 20% off your first order. You're welcome. Edgar, my man. Tell tell us, well, first of all, thank you for being a guest on the Shark Effect. I'm super excited for our conversation. Um, you have a pretty cool background and, pretty, and very inspiring story that I want to my audience to hear 
But uh, can you give us like a, because I already talked a little bit, gave you a little brief bio, but I love for my, my guests to kind of give, um, you know, um, bio, their bio as well, just a condensed version. Can you give me and my listeners like a two minute, like condensed version of, of who you are and, and what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, thanks for having me as well. Um, yeah, I'm Edgar Blazona. I am the founder uh, and president of Benchmade Modern. We make uh, sofas incredibly quick. You know, I decided that I I didn't want to wait for this like you know six months to get a sofa. I got tired of hearing it at dinner parties. Oh man, you know that I ordered this furniture. It took forever to get, and I thought, man, I, I can fix that. And so I created Benchmade Modern to kind of go after this this whole whole thing. I come from the furniture industry in general. I left high school. Uh, in the middle of high school, I, I left uh, my senior year, I should say, and started my first furniture uh, company. My parents thought I was crazy. I moved out, uh, and I, I didn't have enough money to really buy a to buy anything. You know, I was like working as a busboy and that sort of thing, and and uh, doing some graffiti here and there. I'm getting paid for that, doing nightclubs and and uh, Lollapalooza and those sort of events, and. And so I, I started making my own furniture and, and one thing led to another. I, I sold it to this gallery and, and made some quick money and I thought I was rich. You know, I made 400 bucks and it was like, it was like a That's payday. some dough. Yeah, That's some dough, baby. It was a payday. You know, this was back when like, you know, when, when ATMs put out 20s and you would get like one or two 20s at a time, you know, not, not <laughs> you know, not these days, right? Yeah. And so I started Benchmade, or I started a furniture company, and then that later turned into working at a bunch of big retailers, you know, Target and Walmart and uh, Pottery Barn, and um, later on in my life, Restoration Hardware. And uh, and then, you know, I just kind of morphed and, and moved from here to there, And and but I've been in furniture all my life. And I typically, I like to say I'm the youngest, you know, old furniture guy in the room. So that was kind of, that's a quick little little glimpse of where I've come from. That is so cool. So, so okay. So, a couple questions. So, you you've been in that industry. Like, was your parents in that industry, or did yeah, you just no. fall in love with it in high school? And you know, kind of I take wanted it from there. I wanted to be a graphic designer, right? And I thought, okay. I, you know, with my graffiti and all that, I had a little company called Graffiti Graphics, you know, and I wanted to be this graphic designer. And I come from a construction family, and so. I I basically sold this piece of furniture and it it changed my life. I mean it I went from wanting to do graphics to I've never made more money in my life at a single time in one spot. Now, don't get me wrong. It took me I learned how to weld on that piece of furniture. I okay. learned how to cut and grind. I mean it took me so long to make that chair and table. But that said, like in one weekend, I just got this, you know, this pile of cash. And so I never went back. And so, you know, when I, when I look back in that era, you're like, yeah, my parents were in the construction business and they, they taught me to make things on my own. And, you know, my father was one who would, you know, he didn't just settle for, I'm going to buy a coffee table at the store. He would make a coffee table or have it made that would fit into this particular space. And I always thought that was so cool. I always thought like, wow, that really solved solved a, a problem, so to speak, but also it was kind of this creative endeavor that, that now you suddenly 
really loved your possessions instead of just being another piece of whatever that you bought at the store. So I, I yeah. would say that was really my inspiration into uh, furniture design and, and building. And then I really self-taught myself the whole, you know, the whole shindig. And, and this is pre YouTube and all that. You had to actually look at something and try to, in your mind, dissect it and figure out like how it was made and, and all that. So there's no furniture school, so to speak. Gotcha. So, so are you saying like, man, with, with, with YouTube, like that's easy. Like kids, I th- you know what, uh, to be honest, Edgar, I think if I got some wood and I got a computer, totally, I think I can be able to make me something because be YouTube is so powerful. It might be a little bit crooked. It might be a little, <laughs> yeah, might be a little crooked, right? But, but in general, yeah, you can, um, you can, you can really teach yourself how to do things these days with, you know, tools like YouTube and, and whatnot. And it, it's pretty cool. I mean, when you think about it, that's really cool, you know. And, and we, we, when I say there's no furniture school, I mean there is to an extent. There's furniture school. You you go to wood shop, right? You can go to go to uh, you know a design class. But to tie it all together, you know, we didn't really have that to that extent back then. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you did that. You did it that one weekend, and then that got you going. And so you said that you. Took a job at Pottery Barn. Pottery Barn. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I was pushing wood through a saw. And, you know, honestly, the, the moment that I had, I was I was pushing wood through the saw. It's repetition, right? You push, 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 you know, and you're trying not to cut your fingers off. And you're trying to, like, keep your head in the game. But you're also, like, just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I thought... I have these dreams of having a summer home, right? A beach home or a lake house or something like that. And I thought, I'm never going to get there (laughs) pushing wood through the saw. There's just, my dream was so much bigger than what I could scale this wood pushing to, right? And so, you know, I thought, it's just not going to work. And so I went in, that was a Friday, and I went in on a Monday. I decided over the weekend I was going to shut things down. And I had one employee and unfortunately I had to go to him and say, look, you know, I'll let you keep working in here if you want for some side projects, but I've got to like stop doing this as a business and I've got to get a job. And so, so it was just you. So it was just you. And then this other cat and y'all was one of the uh, companies that Pottery Barn outsourced. No, 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 not at all. No, I was just making furniture. I was just a little guy. But what I did was I shut my door down and I, I gave a, a resume, only one resume. I made five, gave one away. I gave it to Pottery Barn. And they immediately hired me as a, as a technical designer. And what I did there, a little bit of a hack, right? I needed to learn how to mass manufacture, right? I needed to like, my plan to go to work at Pottery Barn was to figure out what I could show them that was wrong and then show them how I could fix it. And therefore, I'd have to travel to China to these big giant factories and fix the problem, right? So I started kind of dangling these these issues, right? And I was like, yeah. I, I think I could fix that, right? I, I could do that. And so they would put me on these flights to China. And what I was really doing was looking at these big factories, trying to understand manufacturing in a much better, bigger way, right? Understanding how could you scale this saw guy that I was, that I was into this mega thing, right? 
I quickly learned it's a you know a giant endeavor. Clearly, uh, but I, but it, it it paved a way for me to really understand what a scalable furniture business could look like. Mm, you had a plan. I very much had a plan. Absolutely, I was going to. I used. I. 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 I, um, I look at those Pottery Barn days as my furniture college. Mm, I love that. So, how did you scale? Like, what did that look like? Well, let's fast forward uh, maybe eight years, right? And okay. I had gone from Pottery Barn to then designing for Target and Walmart and and all those guys. So we're going to fast forward a bit. I started a brand called True Modern, and this was a kids' furniture uh, line of modern furniture. And I did that for a little while. And while I was building that brand, it was a wholesale brand, I okay. thought, what's next? The direct-to-consumer market was starting to take off. And, and, and I also, living in the Bay Area, had watched you know, Silicon Valley funding these companies. And I had never fit in, right? No one was, no one was, was giving money to, to brands, right? And, and suddenly brands like Dollar Shave Club, Casper, Mattresses, like those brands were okay. starting to, to pick up steam and, and they were becoming valuable. And now venture was starting to look at companies like that. So I started Benchmade Modern in, re, in response to that. This was something that I could raise money for this was something that I could, you know, participate, but I would have to participate in the direct-to-consumer side. So the very beginning, I started making sofas on demand, made in 24 hours. I'd make you a custom sofa made in 24 Man, hours by the inch. How the hell you do that? Well, we would do. We would do it quick. It actually doesn't take that long. In fact, how long do you think it takes to make a sofa? I mean, just your general sofa. What do you think it takes? Man, oh, four weeks. Four weeks, right? It four takes weeks. about six hours. Man, right? come on, what, what, what the hell? It, it, it Why does. does I go to Pottery Barn and I yeah. and I have to order a, a sofa, and then I get it like four to six weeks later? Are they just back ordered? They just back? Are they stocked up that bad? You would be lucky to get it four to six weeks. Right now, it's about six months. Right. Oh, no joke. Yeah. Six months, half a year. Right. So it, 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 when the manufacturing is set up, the actual manufacturing time, you know, takes six hours, let's say. So I thought, okay, if I can, and, and, and to go back to your question, yeah, it's about the line. That's truly what it is. It's the line of, of sofa stacked up. Do we have the fabric? Do we have the legs? You know, do we have all these materials in, in place? I mean, come on, like no brainer, right? You would think that we could have all that stuff if in, in place. So I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sofas in 24 hours. But everyone thought I was crazy. I mean, when I would pitch this to VCs and then they just bought a sofa at Restoration Hardware or Pottery Barn or one of those guys, they would think that I was crazy. So I had to build my own factory. Now, when I say factory, I mean, it was a little workshop not much bigger than when I very first you know was pushing wood through a saw anyway but we had to produce these sofas in a quick and timely manner and and we did and and you know funny funny story to that it turns out that 
that people are a little bit afraid of a sofa made in, in 24 hours. It must not be quality, right? If RH has it for six months, like you, what kind of quality sofa could you be making in, in 24 hours? Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of how we, we started. And, and um, you know, and, and it, it took a while to scale that, a lot of, lot of bumps and, and challenges and, and all that along the way, for sure. Got it. So with doing that, man, you have a lot of, um, I'm assuming like employees or people you contract with, like what was the, what was the thing that in terms of like leadership, what was the thing that really caused everything to start to click and start to make things grow? Yeah. Was it one particular thing or was it a couple of things in terms of like leadership? You know, in terms of leadership, um, I think, I mean, that, that's a good question. You know, what was, what was the thing? And I, I think really it's about treating people fairly and nicely. And, and I think that that actually goes all the way down, you know, that funnels down, you know, through, from the top, you know, through the customer service teams and all the way to the customer, right? Because when you're actually treating people with, with respect, your employees with respect and, you know, making them a part of things. I feel like they are much more interested in, in, in helping. And, and frankly, I think they're much more interested in helping the customer, you know, and, and, you know, we talk a lot about that, right? That's, that's kind of a big thing. We, we say, turn the customer into a brand advocate, right? No matter what, like if all everything falls apart, turn the customer into a brand advocate. At the end of the day, when someone comes over to their house and, and, you know, the shipping went bad or something went bad along the way. Someone comes into their house and says, oh, man, this sofa is so beautiful. Where would you get it? And their first reply is, oh, I got it at Benchmade Modern, you know. And it was a little rough and, you know, but, man, those guys really, really put out and, and, and got it here. And, and I think that that comes from me, right, and, and through my people and treating with everyone with respect, treating the customer with respect you know, and so on. And hopefully that customer treats us with respect back. And um, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I think in the, yeah, in any, any business, you know, you're going to have that, that type of, sure. I don't care if it's coaching or if it's building uh, sofas or, or what you're going to have that. Um, so tell me about, cause you know, learning about you, and talking about like how do you succeed in like an oversaturated market? Because you know the, the furniture industry, like it's a it's a big deal. But how do you? What are some of the things, or maybe the one thing that helps you stand out in an oversaturated market? Yeah, good point. I mean, gosh, how do we stand out in an oversaturated market? I I think I I look at some of these some of the other companies right, and I, I first would would look at them and I'd say like, well, like the mattress guys are a good example of that. You know, what did they do to make themselves different, right? Casper, good example. You know, they started delivering uh, mattresses in a box on bikes, right? Now that's crazy, right? So what could we do to kind of to match that? And for us, uh, it was really about by the inch, right? What was this thing that we could stand out with? And we were, so we were, we're like, okay, we're going to make a custom sofa. And when I say custom, I don't mean just putting a different color on it. I mean, like actually like make it fit your room. Right. And, mm. and then 
when you have that, it's going to fit your room, right? Then how do we make that really shine, right? What, what is something that we can do to make that shine? And so I came up with this idea of sending a giant roll of paper, the exact size of whatever custom sofa that you chose. So if you chose like say a 95 inch by 105 inch corner sectional, right? I actually send you a full scale drawing to lay out of your floor on your floor of that exact sofa. So you can put it in the corner of your room and then not only that, it has the cushions layout on it. So you can see, do you fit with your wife or your kids or your whole family? Does your, does your husband fit in between the arms when he's laying down? Right. So that was something that we did that we thought, man, this is how we can stand apart by even going old school with it, like paper style with it. I've right? never heard of that before. Yeah, That's... yeah, 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 yeah. So I think those are things that, you know, we try to do to make us just a little bit different. You know, it's not VR, right? This is just yeah. a piece of paper you lay out with the picture of the sofa on it. It's pretty cool. Look at that. Yeah. That's something, man. It's like simplifying. I think yeah. in any any industry, you know, we like to add bells and whistles on it. And sometimes it gets more complicated. Not everybody wants that that thing that's complicated. Yeah. Just simplify. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that goes back to, you know, that, that, you know, when you said we sent our customer a box of swatches, right. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's this big giant box and it's, it's like you open it up. It's like, this is exciting. You know, it's got like a hundred fabrics and it's really, you know, it's really cool. It's exciting. And it still excites me. You know, when I see these boxes stacked up, ready to go out, yeah. I'm like, damn, like that's, that's for real. Like that's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. It's cool. It's really cool. That's something. All right. So, so tell me this, like what is, um, you know, just called the shark effect. And like I tell my story about that time when I had a, a small shark put into my fish tank where I was the, I was the fish and I got stagnant. And then when I was playing football, there was a couple of times, not just in the NFL, but in high school and in college, like there was something that was putting to my fish tank to help me move. So it's a small shark, something that helps you move or that forces you to move. Sometimes it's an individual and sometimes it's a thought or sometimes it's a situation. Can you tell me and my audience, like, what was that shark effect for you? Well... I mean, I'm sure there was several, I mean, living in the Bay area, I mean, shark effect, right? You can't, you can't live here without having this, there's this, this thing around you, this aura, this Silicon Valley thing that's just like pumping blood, you know, into this area. And like, you cannot help but to get excited. But I actually think I have something that's a little bit more relevant for today. And it's kind of the same thing, right? We're in this COVID world, right? And I am, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stuck at home, you know, I'm isolating, I'm this, I'm that. And, and, and I am what I'm calling a COVID slump, right? This is, this is happening today, like literally today. And, and I decided, you know, as of the first of this month that I was going to go out and I was going to start photo photographing art, graffiti, architecture, and I was going to start posting about those things personally myself to get that inspiration back. 
And I can tell you, I'm two days in, and I I might have cheated a little bit. I might have started on the weekend taking some photos here and there. So I got a couple more than two days. But that said, I have 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 um, I'm using people, other people's creativity to help get my juices flowing again, right? Help. That's the shark for me, right? That's the thing that's saying, come on, man. Come on, man. You better get going. You better get going. I'm, and I'm, I'm out there and I'm looking at this art and I'm starting to get excited again, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm going to beat this slump. Um, I'm going to use this art to help motivate me and, and kind of propel me back to, frankly, where I was at, you know, pre-COVID. Mm, that's, that's great. great. Edgar, how can my listeners get more of you? Are you on social? Are you active on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, we are. We are. Um, you can always go to benchmademodern.com and check out our sofas. Um, for me personally, I'm at Edgar Blazona uh, on Twitter uh, as well as LinkedIn. Um, uh, but those are probably the two best places, I would say, the site, you know. And even if someone wants to send me an email, you know, all those emails can get back to me eventually. You know, this is for Edgar kind of thing. So um, gotcha. I get I get several of those. This is so cool, man. Well, thank you so much for being a guest, Edgar. This is super cool. I, I, I love having conversations with people with different backgrounds and, you know, people who are, um, whether it's entertainers or former ball players or ball players, but people who have, have done some amazing things and, and you have done some amazing things. And thank you. Thank for, you. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, if you, um, if you ever need a sofa, you, you let me know, you, you could reach out to me directly or you can use achiever 15 as a 15% discount. You or your, or your listeners can use it and uh, we'll oh, hook go. you up. We'll take care of it. I, I love it. Let's go. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you were an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter, developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there 
you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.